Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast brought to you by Yes Express. And today we have a super special guest. Um, I actually had the opportunity and the, the privilege of sharing some time on stage, you know, back to back here with him down in uh, Lancaster County this year. And I figured we'd bring him on a podcast talk. He's doing some amazing things out in the Pittsburgh area. He owns or is partner in Local Roots Landscaping. And uh, they have a really unique way that they, you know, hold people and their culture they've created. I've seen some videos online of employees just singing their praises about how amazing it is to work there. And I know that's a big you know, topic on everyone's mind. But before we get into that side of things, I wanted to talk to him a little bit more about economy, how he's handling the changing winds of, uh, of the world that we're in now. We're not in the, the post-COVID bump. I think we're on the other side of that. So how are we handling that? What is he doing to prepare? I want to get you guys ready for the next step here in the outdoor living world. So without any further ado, Kenneth Deemer, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I uh, I really appreciate it. It was cool. I got to uh, catch up on some uh, of your previous episodes. And yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's, it's a cool show you run here and I appreciate all the value that you bring to the industry. Thank you, man. Thank you. And same to you, man. I know you've been, you know, out speaking and helping and teaching what you've learned in your business. And that's really what it's all about. It's about empowering others with what we've learned and not trying to, you know, hold on to it ourselves and saying, you know what, no, 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 I have to keep this for me because if someone else figured this out, then they would be able to, you know, be a competitor or they try to outpace me or they take work from me. And you understand that's not how the world works. It's about sharing. The more information we share and the better that everyone else can live and grow, that makes the whole industry better, which helps everybody. And I love that's in your heart. Yeah. And I think a lot of people view that as a, uh, just like a good karma thing where it's like, yeah. man, if I help this person out, it'll come back around to me. But the reality is, is if you want to look for a common identifying mark among every unsuccessful company, it is the fact that they are holding like white knuckling things they feel like are theirs or are so top secret and unwilling to help other people. I mean, that is just one common characteristic across basically every <laughs> company that plateaus and can't get to the next level is that just stalwart, you know, fear of collaboration or sharing what you've got. So it's not only just, I think, altruistic, it's just like, it's the way to be successful is to be willing to share and to be part of a community where everyone has open and free flowing ideas. I love that, dude. It's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And I know, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I know when I first started, I was in a different mindset 25 mm -hmm. years ago, starting this industry. It was like, I figured something out. I would not tell anybody about it. It was like over my dead body, because if I gave that yeah. away to somebody, they would take mm -hmm. it and then I would have to start again. And that's how it yeah. felt so often. And that thank goodness that's changed. Thank goodness my mindset has changed. Have you found that along your journey as well? Definitely. And I think a big part of it is because you work so hard yeah. for those little nuggets you get. Yeah. You work so hard to find the right vendor. You work so hard to find what works in your cross section of the industry or whatever it may be. And uh, yeah, there's two ways to do it. One is to say, it's like, I'm going to keep this super close and then start working so hard to climb the next hill to find the next nugget. And that takes another 15 months, you know, and then yeah. a few months, you know, a few years in you've accumulated, you know, one or two trips or ticks or 
trips or tricks or tips or secrets or whatever it may be versus the alternative of just having this like great group of peers, whether it be in the podcast world, in the social media world, uh, in real life, just like so, uh, peers in the industry, and then just being willing to share those things and all progress together. You end up in a position where the whole industry has been elevated so far beyond where it ever could have been versus you just sitting there white knuckling, you know, the little bit that you think you have or so special to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, once you start sharing, you find that others start sharing and then you're like, oh my God, yeah. it's like this, 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 almost this currency instead of money, it's ideas. And it's like, yeah. wait a minute. So how did you solve this problem? Oh, you did that? Holy crap. Yeah. I never thought of that. Perfect. And they, they ask you, well, how did you solve that problem? Well, I did it this Holy crap. It's like, it becomes yeah. a currency in exchange. It's beautiful. And it, and to see it empower the businesses and their families, their lives, see people taking more vacations and just spending more time present with their families. Cause that's ultimately the goal, right? Is yep. phenomenal. I love it, dude. And I love that you're in that mindset too. Yeah. So before we go much deeper into this, Kenneth, tell us a little about your history. How did you get into this industry? Is this something you were destined for or to just kind of find your way into it? <laughs> uh, it, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of found its way uh, to me. We, My background, my history, I actually went to a Bible school out in Chicago for okay. urban ministry. And that's what I uh, thought I wanted to do until I moved into a city to go to school. And, and then uh, a few years later, I traveled a lot, took time off, took me six years to not finish college. Um, <laughs> and then once I, uh, once I finished that, I kind of came home and was just looking for the next step. I, uh, I was planning on finishing school. I had six credits outstanding. I had to take two language courses and then I was done. Uh, but then as soon as I got back, my business partner, uh, Patrick, who is uh, just the other very integral part of the business, obviously, his goal throughout his college years was to make enough money uh, by noon on Saturday to kind of keep pace with all of his other friends who had part-time summer jobs. Mm. So for that, there's nothing better than, you know, having six or seven lawns that you do on Saturday morning. So that's what he started doing his senior year. Uh, he was wrapping up the same year uh, that I wrapped up college. He did it in four though. Uh, and he actually finished. So he's got me beat on two counts, uh, <laughs> but his senior year was super busy. Uh, so I took over some of those lawns for him in his absence while he was gone. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, then when he returned back, we started working together. One thing led to the next. It was just this crazy series of events where every time we were out, people were pulling over and stopping, asking us to do more work and more and more and more. And we thought it was just absolutely booming. So we, uh, took a couple risks that summer, bought some mowers, uh, transitioned out of our trusty Honda Civic into a trusty 1996 Toyota Tacoma, and then mm. into a Tundra after that. Uh, but yeah, the first year we thought took off like crazy. We grossed $54,000 between the two of us. So obviously not sustainable, but we, uh, yeah, that's kind of where it first started and then just grew from there. And we were able to, uh, yeah, just kind of follow, follow the signs and made our way into the industry that way. I love that dude. And it sounds yeah. like so many stories because most people don't go to school and then go, I'm going to come out and mow lawns or I want to come out and do <laughs> right. landscaping, right? Some do, I know, but you know, oftentimes it's something that finds us, you know, and also yeah. we find this passion, this beautiful, you know, the, the ability to create and see and work in nature and all those things that just lightens up our soul. I know it's what hooked me in the beginning, you know, growing Absolutely. up in the garden center is to, is to be able to get out and then build cool shit. That's what I always love to do, design and build cool yeah. shit. That was the focus. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really cool, dude. So that sounds awesome. So obviously we we feel, at least we do over here on the eastern side of Pennsylvania, we're starting to feel the wind shifting. 
after uh-huh. uh, after COVID bump here and with everyone just so busy and all these you know companies exploded, um, you know just such bump in, in amount of people that want the what we do right and it was so great to see. Uh, yeah. And also how many businesses started during this bump in order to handle the, the, you know, the immense amount of demand that was out there. But, you know, everyone I'm talking to at this point and uh, other, tons of other industries are starting to see those winds shift. And the question is, what are you guys doing in Pittsburgh in order to prepare for the inevitably more winter months, if you will, coming of this yeah. industry? So what are, you, what are you guys doing? What are you seeing? Tell us about what's happening. Yeah, so... <clears throat> As far as what we're seeing, uh, just to be very transparent here, uh, I would say we've seen our first, it's a trailing indicator, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of, uh, there's so many different phases to the sales cycle. Mm -hmm. So I I would say we had a kind of scary drop in April in terms of new appointments, Mm -hmm. like new stuff that was actually scheduled. Uh, And then things kind of picked up to normal from there. So I'm trying to uh, check the... Dow Jones industrial average mm-hmm. less frequently and just kind of watch mm-hmm. our KPIs to see like, mm-hmm. Hey, but what's this actually telling me? Because as everyone who went through COVID in this industry understands like what's happening in the rest of the world is not necessarily correlative to what's happening in our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am trying to not stress out about it, leave it in God's hands and just say like, Hey, this is going to be what it is. So mm-hmm. that's kind of like from an anxiety management standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, we haven't seen a huge drop off right now. Okay. We, uh, we grew a good bit over last year. We're going about 80%, like our target's about 80% growth this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's tough to distinguish what is just growing sales uh, by volume of company versus what is like could actually be slowly tapering this time of year. Yeah. But right now, I mean, we're seeing uh, still great success in terms of getting things closed. New appointments are slowing a little bit, uh, but our design track, which is what feeds the vast majority of our uh sales volume is still uh booking out as consistently as it has been for the whole year so Good. we're trying to uh trying to play it smart because i i don't think there's any way we don't feel some impact of this yeah. but right now uh things are holding relatively steady which is great uh another thing we're working on leaning more into and uh we are um maintenance division we almost let uh let go uh about eight, 18 months ago two years ago something mm-hmm. like that uh, we just kind of had it with this uh, our maintenance division just because we weren't devoting the time and resources that we needed to to make that run properly. Mm-hmm. We ended up bringing in an individual to run that who has done just a phenomenal job. And uh, we're looking to lean more into the commercial maintenance side of things yeah. just to kind of try to build that book of business up a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, one, to generate 12-month revenue, but then also just to those are typically the least affected during times of economic downturn. Yep, yep. No, I, yep. I've, I've talked to a lot of guys and gals in this field that, uh, you know, their, their heart's not in lawn care or maintenance or anything like that. And mm-hmm. the first thing they want to do is jump into the outdoor living space. It's fun. Yeah. It's exciting. It's flashy. We can build cool shit. Um, yep. But they just want to let go of the maintenance side of things. And, you know, the words have been very clear that, you know, during these times, there's, there's boom times and there's bust times, right? So it's a matter of maintenance is always something that you can count on because people will always maintain stuff. They might not build stuff, but they'll maintain stuff. So my suggestion has been just as you're already doing here is keep that maintenance in in check. And if it doesn't light you up, if it's not something that you're like, man, I love mowing lawns. I love taking care. (laughs) Find someone who does and let them run it. And then you Mm -hmm. can keep that as a portion of your business and feed into it. 
and keep the the lights on that way when things get tough. I mean, I've been through 809 and I know we just yeah. skated through and it was because of maintenance that kept us rolling through that. It was a commercial account that kept us rolling through that uh, or we would have won bus that year for sure. And yeah. we're, I'm always thinking about that, thinking about how do we keep the sustained income coming in monthly from things that are, you know, we don't have a, a, an aggressive maintenance side. We do it through design, right? So we have our yeah. we're designers that build. So our design fees actually pay during that time. Uh, people yeah. will design things. They might not build it all at once, but it then plants seeds for the future so that yeah. when things do, and they always, they're all cycles, right? They're all cyclical. So they're all cycles. Um, yeah. And then the downtime turns into an uptime and then you can take advantage of it. But it's the ones that don't or haven't been through those cycles before that get hooked because they think it's always going to be like this. They started the yeah. business a year or two ago and like, oh my God, this is, I, I don't know why I didn't do this before. And dude, the yeah. last two years, as long as you had a heartbeat, you got yeah. a job, right? It was that easy. So now yeah, it's not going to yeah. be like that anymore. It's, I think it's going to become much more um, competitive, but not competitive in a way that you're fighting each other about it. It's about who offers the best value, the best yeah. customer experience. People are expecting those things now. It's not just about the number. It's about who do they trust yep. the most. Yep. Yeah, you can you can be more right there. Uh, and then I, I would say one other thing we're trying to do a little bit to speak to... Uh, the difference between the last two years and where I think we're heading now is just kind of ease our foot off the gas a little bit from a growth perspective. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we've been working with a, uh, financial consultant who's been just absolutely fantastic in terms of getting together kind of a plan and a strategy to build cash reserves, make ourselves more resilient in the event of, you know, slower months than we had anticipated. Absolutely. Now, I know this yeah. is going to sound pretty basic for you, but I know some of the listeners out there, they're, they're kind of running on the seat of their pants and they're like, you know what? Hey, we got money in the bank. We're good to go. But they may or may not be making any money right now, right? They, yeah. they, they don't know their numbers. They don't have the, uh, you know, the, the infrastructure in place for that or even somebody or something, a software pack to be able to handle that. So how important uh, is it for you to know your numbers, especially during times when they start getting dicey? Like how, how important is that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, how do I, how do you even phrase that? It's not important. It's if you're not doing it, you might as well just not be running a business. Like yes. just go home, like go get an hourly job. If that's, if that's where you are, if you don't know your numbers, you truly have no idea if you're being successful. Business ownership has a great way of making you feel like you're being successful when you're not sometimes just cause you see money coming in, you're turning over so much money. Yep. Um, but you're not actually building anything, right? And you mentioned before, like, why are we doing this if not to be spending more time with our families, if not to be achieving freedom of some kind, whether that's time, whether that's financial, whatever it is. And if you're not knowing your numbers, then you have no idea if all of the effort you are putting in, we would never do anything else in life like that, right? We'd never keep working out if we never saw any payoff from that. Mm -hmm. We'd never, like, a business should be the same way. If you don't know that you are being profitable if you do not know that you're making financially sound decisions and that the work you're bidding and the work you're putting in the ground uh or performing is not you know profitable it's what are we even doing out here it's, it's not even worth it so to answer no. your question yeah. maximally important the most yeah. important it's like and it's too person, easy yeah. these days yeah, yeah it's too easy these days to to know them i i saw that you had uh weston uh mm -hmm. who's a friend of mine on the show a while back uh synced up with fantastic software for that whether you're using synced up or any of the other big ones out there, there's a lot of fantastic softwares. You have to be costing what you're doing and making sure that it's lining up and making sense. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of, there's times in the past where we have had, we've been doing 40% of our work is extremely lucrative. We're killing it. It's great. And it's just towing along the other 70%. Mm. And oftentimes there's a balance to that. Cause as you're growing, you're going to take on stuff that's new that you're not quite as efficient at that. You're not as good at. 
and you're going to lose some money on that and your other stuff's going to float that, but it's in the name of growth. And that makes sense. But if you don't even know that that's happening or what you're doing, then you're just going to end up hemorrhaging money and you know, you're not going to know what's successful, what's not. And you see a lot of companies like that where they've made the less flashy call uh, to run what they're very good at to run what's very profitable for them. And then they end up achieving, achieving all of their longer term goals, whether it be again, financial goals, uh, Mm -hmm. time goals, whatever those things are, uh, you're much more likely to achieve those, even though you might not put in the thing you think was the coolest thing at the time, right? You may have to say no to a job that looks awesome, but you know, you're not going to, that you're not equipped for and not going to be successful at. Yeah. I mean, and I know so many, and I was guilty of this, so I'm not throwing rocks in a glass house here, but I know when I first started, it was about winning, mm-hmm. right? Winning mm-hmm. at all costs. Like we're going to go out, I'm going to do this design. And pretty soon they start negotiating price. And I'm like, I have to get this project. I've got yep. so much invested yep. in my time. It becomes this ego trip where I have to get this thing, even at a loss. I mean, I took a lot of losses yep. in the early days because I wanted the project. I wanted that corner property and that homeowner yeah. knew I wanted it. So they would just sit there and hack at the price and, ne- and I would say yes. And I did it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I lost money doing it. And I'm like, why the hell did I do that? And then the next project yeah. would come up after I just learned this and I do it again. Yeah. And it, was, yeah. it wasn't until I think it was 0506 when I met Charles Vander Coy. I don't know if you're yeah. if you were in that world, but uh, I met him at a seminar and he was incredible speaker. And he brought out this concept of multiple overhead recovery. And he had me hooked yeah. right then and there. And he had a software pack, not nearly as fancy and nice as synced up is now. But um, he had it where we had to go through and I had Jerry Gata come out to the to the uh, operation. He spent a day with us and went through everything. And that was what got us through the last recession was the fact that yeah. I knew exactly what I needed to charge. If I want a dollar less, I was losing money. If I want a dollar more, I made an extra dollar. So knowing yeah. that number is like knowing a destination before you get in your car. Most people yeah. drive their business like they get in, they put a blindfold on and they just drive until they hit something. <laughs> this right? feels good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This feels good. It's And the thing, the thing that gets what got me in the beginning is it's like, holy shit. Somebody just wrote me a check for $20,000. I come off a farm, dude. That was like unheard of. Nobody yeah. had that in their bank like, account. No way can I screw this up now. Yeah, exactly. I've got $20,000. It's so much yeah. money. It's so yeah. much money. And the next thing you know, you're paying everybody off. And you're like, well, that's like 24000 for that. Oh, crap. Yeah. You know, and, and next thing you know, like, all right, next payment. Okay, good. Whew. Covered that. And then it's yeah. like, oh, crap, we need 15 to go over there. Oh, I, oh, oh okay. Now, now I've got a thousand bucks in my pocket. This isn't yeah. good. One more payment. And then you've got more things. Things came up. Things got bigger, whatever. Yeah. It was a it was a real slippery slope. But my point is, once I finally knew my numbers, then when it came time, when things got tight, that I was like, no, I know I can't do it. And if somebody can do it for less, that's great. Either their overhead is better. You know, they have a better, yeah. more efficient machine or they're, they're, they're going to be out of business in no time. And that's what's going to happen. You know, if things get tighter, not if, but when things get tighter, that a lot of the new businesses are going to run into a position where it's a, a competitive free-for-all to whoever yeah. can cut their price to a point where somebody goes out of business. And so without yeah. knowing the numbers, if you don't and you're listening, get on something, even if it's not synced up, get something that you can figure yeah. out what your nut is and what you need to charge per hour through your machinery, through your labor, through your markup of materials so that you can yeah. sit back and not have the frustration, stress that comes from not knowing and keeping your fingers crossed. Oh man, thank yeah. God those days are over. Yep. Yep. And I think believing in it too, like know your inputs are correct. You know, like know, know all your expenses are dialed in, take the time to put together a proper budget. And then once that's sorted out, there's no, there's no guessing game. It's like, do I want to do this job for free or pay money to do it? The answer is no. (laughs) And it's like, there's sometimes it's like, okay, well, this is my cue to walk away. There's nothing else I can do about it. And I, uh, yeah, in interest of transparency, I got myself into a situation like that last year, just a, uh, 
an absolutely incredible job. This is why I'm not allowed to do sales anymore here. Um, <laughs> but it was just, a, an, it was a phenomenal job, beautiful yeah. house, gorgeous project. One of the most beautiful projects we've ever completed. Just giant pool, beautiful natural stone deck, awesome waterfall doing like a billion gallons a minute. Like mm. it's awesome. Uh, and we lost almost $60,000 in the project wow. by the time it was all said and done, just because, I mean, there were other things that were mismanaged along the way. Sure. Uh, but that's what it was. It was just that eye on the carrot and I just, I couldn't let it get away. So mm. we were willing to, you know, take way too much abuse on the path to get there. But yeah. ultimately that ended up being, uh, we've, we always do our best here to frame that as a net positive, because mm. when you look at the things that were changed from that, um, I'm glad it happened on a job like that instead of a half million dollar job, you know, yeah, yeah. where the hemorrhaging would have been maybe on, you know, you don't come back from that. So yeah, yeah. we, uh, yeah, you learn a lot from it and it's good to, I mean, take the mistakes and put them, frame them positively. I'll, I always say like, I'll make any mistake once, you know, yeah, like yeah. I'll, I'll do it one time. I'll take my lumps. I always view it as going to school. That's what I, Patrick and I always talk about is like, Hey, college is expensive. You know, you pay, you pay to play. So, and those are the, uh, the best learning the best learning experience are the ones that you pay for that have a little, little blood on the side of them. That's for sure, man. Those things yeah. you feel, you don't just learn them, you feel them. Yeah. And I've had plenty of broken bones and black eyes from that exact type of thing where you learn as you go. And I say the first time is learning. The second time is a choice. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So it's really, 100%. it's, it's not a matter of trying to avoid the failures or teaching moments as I like to reframe them. But, uh, but it's, it's also about, all right, what did they have to teach me? How do we save this ourselves from doing this again by setting up a system or a process or something that safeguards or triggers when these things start to happen that we know ahead of time, you know, it's the only way you can grow a successful business. Cause if you constantly keep having those same headaches or the same problems, you're going to, you get stuck in the mud. You don't yeah. get a chance to grow because you're just trying to keep your shit together. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's so important to keep moving, but oftentimes you know, we get into business. I know I did in the beginning because I was, you know, the best installer. Yep. Yep. Right. And then transitioning out of that into a designer, into a business owner, you have to reinvent yourself each and every time as you move through that, right? You've got to be like, all right, now what's my identity now? Like, am I the owner? Am I the designer? Am I the builder? Am I the, you know, who am I the leader? Like, who am I? And trying to do yeah. all of those things, you can't do them all well. So it's a matter of focusing. Are you trying to grow your landscaping or hardscaping company? but find yourself making the same mistakes over and over and not sure what step to take next? Do you feel like your business owns you and you don't see a path to long-term happiness, growth, and sustained profitability? If this sounds like you, don't miss Outdoor Living Summer Camp. This live event will equip you with the lessons Cruz and I have learned from growing wickedly profitable seven-figure businesses while significantly reducing daily stress and preserving that sacred time with family. And as a bonus, we're also gonna teach you how to recession-proof your business so you continue to grow through any economic condition. Text FREEDOM to 33777 or follow the link in this episode's description to get more information on Outdoor Living Summer Camp. Tickets are limited, so get yours today. So how has that been on your, your journey so far? How has it been your, your role changes and how you've managed mindset through those role changes and identity shifts? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it goes back to having a, a clear understanding of where you want to go because you have to wear a lot of different hats on the way there uh, mm -hmm. whenever you're starting a small business. So like you, I was attracted to it originally. You'll hear me say this a lot. Uh, it's just like generally the whole freedom side of it. Yeah. So we grew up with very little money. Uh, my family did. Uh, and that was something I that I saw translate into 
don't get me wrong. My parents were totally awesome. They made it work on a shoestring. We had just the coolest experiences, even with nothing, you know? So I definitely don't want to get tied to the fact that money equals freedom period Mm because it doesn't. Uh, but I think those are the two big things I really wanted was the financial freedom side of it and the time freedom side of it. I never wanted to have to say no to things with my family, uh, in order to, you know, continue to keep the train on the tracks and keep things moving in the right direction. So those have been the motivating factors the whole way through. And then from there, I think it's just, uh, it's really easy to get your head in the sand and to be just so zoomed in nose to the grindstone on exactly what you're doing at the time. You kind of lose sight of the overall picture and where you're going. Uh, so a word you threw in there was leader at some point. Uh, and that's the one thing that I think kind of a, is an evolving role throughout all the other stages, right? So whether you're the best installer, whether you're the best foreman, whether you're the best salesperson or division lead or managing partner, whatever it is, that leadership is a component that has to stay there no matter what. And I would say whenever, regardless of how good I was at sales or how good Patrick was with the numbers, uh, those things did not have a multiplicative impact beyond the two of us until we started really leaning into the leadership side of it. So I think two things, one is zooming out, recognizing where you're trying to take it overall in terms of how do I want this business to support my lifestyle? How do I want this business Mm -hmm. to support my family, et cetera. Uh, and then the second is leadership is for all levels. And ultimately a big part of that freedom comes down to bringing people, uh, in alongside you to help you run the thing. Uh, and if you haven't developed those leadership characteristics or know how to motivate a team and grow a good, healthy team, then you're underwater. You're, you're, you're never going to make it past stage one. Yeah. No, absolutely, dude. And you know, the, the hard part is when you start a business and I know that this happened with me, it was like, okay, it was means to an end. It's like, what am I going to do? When I got out of, out of high school, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I grew up in a garden center, worked on farms. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have some big, you know, shiny object in the future that I was shooting for. I just kind of knew a feeling like I, I wanted this free feeling. I wanted to do what I love to do. My father yeah. always pushed that to us and said, you know, you find something you love and the money will naturally come. So you need passion first. You have to have something that gets you up in the morning. And that's always been the case here with Outdoor Living for me. Yeah. Um, and and like starting there, but I didn't have that shiny object. And I know a lot of listeners are thinking like, hey, man, like, yeah, I kind of know what I kind of want, but I don't know really what it is yet. And I'll have to I'll be fully honest with you. It took me probably 15 years into the industry to really understand where I wanted to go with it. And then it's yep. every day it keeps evolving. Like the what ifs, yeah. I have a lot of what ifs that like, so what if I did that? And what yeah, if I, yeah. what if I became a better leader? What would that look like? And what if I started training people into things that we've learned over the last 25 years? What would that look like? And it's opening up bigger story loops and bigger questions. And yeah. how can we share? How can we impact? How can we do all of those things? You know, it's really important. So with, you know, the leadership side of things, how does somebody even start that process? If somebody's listening to this podcast and thinking like, I just started a business, I want to learn how to be a leader. I don't know. I know I need to be, but I don't know even how to start. How would you suggest they even start that journey? Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, it starts with yourself. Uh, the, uh, I'm a big John Maxwell fan. And he mm-hmm. talks about basically like, how can you ever expect to be a leader to someone else if you can't lead yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, uh, our leadership team at work is currently going through a, uh, a Maxwell book, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Mm-hmm. And the one we just went through last week was the law of magnetism. And it's basically, how can you expect to attract people, uh, to your organization if you are not embodying, you know, those characteristics and those qualities. So I think the first thing, uh, the first thing you have to do is get right with yourself. 
make sure that you are in a, a spot where you're able to lead, where you're prepared to lead. You have to make sure that um, you believe in the company's values, whether that be your mission, vision statement, your core values. Those have to be the things that are truly driving everything you are. And they have to be true of who you are as a person, who you are from a character standpoint. Mm-hmm. I always say that in the blue collar industry, I think uh, this industry has got a better nose for bullshit than any other industry in the world. You know, we know when we're being lied to, we know when we're being sold, you know, whatever, a bag of crap. Like there's no, you can't fool these people. It's like, I've been talking before I've been up front and I look at people and I'm like, they know I will feel inauthentic and I will look at them and I'll be like, they know that I'm being inauthentic right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you're not the person that you need to be in order to lead, uh, then you're not going to get anywhere. So I think that's the first thing is making sure you're leading yourself, making sure that you're being disciplined, making sure that you are, uh, being the kind of person that you want to lead other people to be more like. Right. Uh, and then secondly, I think is, uh, prioritizing it. So I know that, uh, everyone loves the concept of training, right? So it's like, Oh yeah. Like we train our people, we give them opportunities to learn we give them opportunities to grow. But then when it actually gets into the season, that's a really hard decision to make on a beautiful sunny Wednesday morning when you had training set aside and you're behind on a thousand different projects mm-hmm. and all the clients are, you know, yelling at you. I know for us, those trainings got canceled 10 out of 10 times under that circumstance. Yep. You know, we'd have like, okay, we have a rain day. Let's throw something together real quick. Right. So, uh, leadership's no different, uh, making the time for it, making the time to, uh, invest in your people, to, uh, give them an environment in which they can grow in which they can be successful in which they can kind of meet their unrealized potential. Uh, another thing I will say about the green industry and the blue collar industries is that I think there's an unbelievable amount of unrealized potential because 100%. these people, they worked with their hands their entire lives and they think that's kind of where it stops. They think yeah. that like what I can physically create with my hands is the extent of my abilities. Uh, and that could not be further from the truth. I mean, the amount of uh, just incredible people I've seen kind of come up through the ranks and just given the correct environment in which to grow um, and uh, yeah, give, give them that, that ecosystem and then they can kind of really find their way forward, giving the right opportunities and the right uh, kind of developmental programs. Man, you're spot on with that for sure. It's creating that environment. Your business becomes a vehicle for your employees and team members' growth. It helps yeah. them get to their goals faster, and that's how you keep people. 100%. Yep. And that's honestly how, when, when you look at where we are, and if Patrick and I kind of like step back and see where we've come, where we're going, I mean, it's been years and I'm not kidding years since you could point to that being directly tied to anything Patrick and I are doing, uh, just the number of just incredibly high powered, dedicated, motivated individuals that we have here. Um, it's they're they're the ones who make the dream happen a hundred percent. And when I think about the law of magnetism, uh, we were talking about the other day and I was looking around the room and I was like, man, I'm glad these people are here because like we have this incredible, whatever eight people it was or seven people in the room their day. And I was like, these are the kind of people that I want to be attracting other people. And at times it's like, I'd rather attract more people like them than like myself because they cover so many of my weaknesses. So yeah, it's, it's very encouraging, really exciting uh, place to be whenever you start to be able to, yeah, get to work with such high power, high power individuals. I love that. It's all about team. And before we get further into culture and team, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about what you do to keep the discipline and to keep yourself focused and growing as a leader. So what are some of the things you do daily, monthly, weekly, whatever, to keep you in that discipline? Yeah. uh, So a a big thing that we did, we have done this year that Patrick and I have done this year um, is, so I think prioritizing, like if I'd like to still it down to one word, it would be (laughs) 
<laughs> you asked me how I said discipline, uh, like discipline and prioritizing and being willing to see through the fog. Right. So one of my big weaknesses is getting caught up in the minutia. There's so many mm-hmm. things that I've done for so long, whether it be on the production side of things or on the sales side of things, uh, even though we have these extremely talented people in these roles, I, there's just this like, you know, age old gravitational pull for me to come and get back involved in the micro. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say micro, that's not a quality statement on the type of work that is being done. It's that it's not my, what, what I'm supposed to be doing here. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think from a discipline standpoint, one of the best things that Patrick and I have done uh, in recent months is really focus in uh, laser vision on what we call our mission critical. So it's identifying those three things that we are going to do and that we are going to do extremely well. And if we're not meeting those goals, then we're failing. It doesn't matter if I sold a six-figure project that week. It doesn't matter if, you know, whatever, nothing else matters. If those three things are not getting done, if those three mission critical items are not getting done, then I am being a failure at my job. Does that make sense? So I think kind of zooming out, establishing those things and just like the budget, looking at it as just like, hey, this is gospel now. You know, if I'm not doing this, I'm failing regardless, no matter what. So just keeping that out there, keeping it front and center, looking at it every day, setting your goals, setting your vision, managing your calendar to say, these things are meeting my goals or these things are not meeting my goals. And then just being ruthless with cutting off things that are not. So it's super focused. Now, do you mind sharing those three things that you guys focus on? Yeah. So for me, uh, there's, I work on uh, all things production, supporting our production teams. I work on all things sales and design. So making sure that our sales team and design team uh, is are meeting their goals, meeting all of their objectives, supported in their growth trajectory. Uh, and then third and finally is all new business development. So that's kind of building new relationships with vendors, uh, potential clients moving down the track. Recently, I've been working a lot with different uh, architecture firms uh, and builders in the area. Lots of times those relationships are, uh, we used to just look for anybody and everybody with that. Like, Hey, if anyone will potentially throw work our way, I just want to cast a super wide net. Now I'm being a lot more selective in that process because just with our business model, we work very well with a very specific type of builder or a very specific type of architect that's serving a very specific type of client. Uh, so yeah, those are my big three that I'm, if I'm not meeting those three and Patrick and I have a, uh, we have a managing partners meeting once a week. So we say, here are our three primary goals. And then we share with one another kind of our specific deliverables for that week based off of our three primary goals. Got it. And that's very good. Thank you for sharing that. Now, when it comes to you personally, how do you keep Mm -hmm. all of this, you know, coming insane? I know there's a lot of pressures, a lot of stuff you're managing, a lot of teams, a lot of people, a lot of stuff, and even trying to help them with their goals and achieving them faster. How do you personally keep yourself, the mindset, physicality, all that? How do you keep that in order? Do you have rituals or habits that you do each day in order to get to that point? Like, how do you, how do you manage that mentally, physically? Yeah. So that's a great question. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, staying active, keeping, uh, keeping my, I have a, a lot of hobbies and passions, things I love doing. So like tomorrow morning, I am, uh, just making the time for those things tomorrow morning. I'm waking up at four 30 up to the Laurel Highlands to go trout fishing for a few hours before nice. work starts. I try to shoot my bow every day. I'm a big hunter and fisherman. So mm-hmm. I love, those are two things that really kind of keep me going. Um, making sure to dedicate time to those, have those yeah, steady times. Uh, spending time with the Lord every day is a very important part of my life and prayer. Uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, just staying, staying dedicated and keep myself focused on those tasks. I got off of all social media, uh, about a year ago at this point, And that was uh, tremendously helpful for me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, 
I was talking with Caleb Allman yesterday, actually, about this. I don't think social media is an inherent bad at all. I, uh, but I did have to recognize that I have a relatively addictive personality, which can be great as a business owner because it yeah. makes you, you know, tenacious and unstoppable. But at the same time, when it, you know, results in scrolling Instagram for an hour for no reason, that's when it's like, okay, you know what? This is no longer helpful. So yeah. ended up just getting rid of trying to really eliminate those distractions from my life has been very helpful for me. That's great. And I love that dude. And getting back to nature and to faith and all that is just so important. And to do it on a daily basis is it's recharging and rejuvenating because the world's always going to try to suck the energy out of you. You've got, it's your responsibility, each and every person's responsibility to refill that bucket every day. And if you don't, you eventually go dry and then you start getting nasty and you don't be, you're not yourself anymore, right? You just become this, this reactionary person that makes not so great decisions. So, you know, it's it's super important. And oftentimes, oftentimes those not so great decisions feed into just like perpetuating that cycle of negativity, right? Because when you're not in that correct headspace, I had a, uh, to get personal for a second, I had an experience, uh, two years ago, late fall where we hadn't started investing in our leadership team yet. We hadn't started investing in, uh, anything that really gave our organization kind of a multiplicative effort. We were still very one-to-one correlation. So I was doing all the sales. I was managing all the projects and just ended up like, I never even scheduled. I, for years, I mean, it was like a seven or eight year streak. I would always take about a two week trip in September Mm -hmm. or October, whether that was a dirt biking trip out West or a hunting trip out West. Like I would always take that big reset recharge, no phone, no nothing. And it was awesome. Uh, And then the year that I really kind of abandoned that, I mean, I had like a, a mental and physical, just total breakdown in November. Mm -hmm. So someone who had never missed a day of work in his life, which I wore way too much as a badge of honor and it came back to bite me. But I, uh, I just woke up one day. I couldn't see straight. I was dizzy tried to get to the bathroom to throw up, smack my head off the toilet, went to the hospital, was incapacitated for the better part of three weeks. Uh, just to this day, we're not exactly sure what it was. Um, but my best guess, it was a mix of a panic attack and just complete, you know, mental and uh, physical fatigue where I just had nothing left to give. The tanks were totally empty and I ignored every warning sign on the way there. And I think a huge part of that was, uh, yeah, just getting, losing focus of what my ultimate goals and priorities were. And at that time I had a family, my wife was pregnant with our first and I just, uh, I wasn't prioritizing anything that I, uh, that I had to, to be successful. And that came back to bite me and it was over. It wasn't instant either. I mean, that was after I, that whole year I was treating my body like that. I was treating my life like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in turn was treating my family like that was treating my friends like that. And I mean, it was nine months later that kind of everything came home to roost. So it's, uh, lots of times it's that cumulative effect that really catches up with you. For sure, dude, for sure. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. Now, what are some of the red flags or some of the, the warning lights on the dashboard that were flashing bright for you, but you're like, ah, screw mm-hmm. that, screw that. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Like what were some things that came up? Uh, I mean, for me, it was just the amount of hours I was putting in, I think in the amount of stress that I was carrying. So oh. it all, I think a lot of it comes down to just arrogance uh, and not thinking that I needed somebody else or thinking that I could just continue to handle it. So I was used to being kind of the vacuum cleaner uh, of the company where it's going to come up like, I got that. I got that. I got that. I got that. Uh, and then also just wanting to take on new and bigger things all the time. You like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. So just not having any kind of limit, right. Or like cut off on for my plate. My, uh, my wife was in nursing school at the time, uh, which was just extremely busy. So our daily schedule was typically, I'd leave the house at six o'clock in the morning. She'd leave the house at whatever, eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, she'd be in school all day long. She went for a second degree program. Uh, she, and it was an accelerated 
whatever 15 month program. So it's a huge four years condensed into 15 months was a huge hmm. wow. program. So we'd get home, have dinner together. I mean, for like 30 minutes, I'd get home at seven o'clock at night from work, have dinner together. We'd be like, great, kiss each other. And then she would go and work on school until nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, go to sleep. I would be down in my office. I mean, midnight was a great bedtime for me during, wow. during that time. Uh, but oftentimes I'd be up, there were times easily I'd be up until one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, just schedule sending emails. I'd have 40 emails in my schedule send box that would all go out the following morning, sending out bids, sending out, just keeping, you know, keeping everything afloat. So for me, I think it was just plain and simple overwork over just, just way too much stuff on my plate. Uh, and having the arrogance to think that one person could handle, you know, that type of volume. Wow. Wow. I know that, dude, I can relate hundred percent, right? We're, yeah. we're obsessive achievers at the end of the day, yeah. right? And we just want to, it's easiest for us to put our hands on it and get it done because we can do it fastest, most efficient, simple. We don't have to yep. train anybody to do it, but we overwhelm quick, you know? And, and I yeah. always say obsessive, being obsessive is not a bad thing if it's directed correctly. Yep. It's when yep. you obsess in the wrong direction that it becomes a problem. Now, you know, how did you eventually let that go? Like, how did you get out of that? How did you say, all right, well, I got to show all these warning lights off. Well, I had to do X in order to get there. So what did you do to get out of that? Yep. So I guess there's two stages to that question. One is kind of what got me to that point. And the second is like, I guess the point I got to, and the other is then what we did about it. So the first is, uh, there have been kind of two times in the history of local ridge landscaping <laughs> where either me or Patrick or both of us at the same time, I've said like enough's enough. Like if this doesn't change right now, I'm done with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just being willing to walk away. It's like, Hey, Pat's got a degree. I love running machines. I can go get an op, like, especially at the time, like I can go get an operator's job and make X number of dollars an hour and just live an easy life, move out West, whatever it is. Um, and I, uh, yeah, that was a very attractive thing at <laughs> a number of occasions. But I think it's getting to kind of rock bottom and say, it's like, hey, I'm willing to try anything right now. Like I'm willing to throw whatever at the wall right now. All these great concepts I've heard about in podcasts or all these great things I've read about, like that I, you know, internally don't believe or it's like, well, that wouldn't work for me. Uh, so I think it's for me, unfortunately, it took getting to rock bottom a number of occasions to kind of make those transitions. Yeah. So some very big, I guess if I could distill it down, the biggest transitions I think for me, us, were one being willing to pry our you know cold dead fingers off of uh control in the company so being willing to delegate uh both tasks and uh responsibilities within the company as well as delegating leadership within the company is something that gave us just an unbelievable amount of freedom uh and it took getting to obviously a bad spot to be able to do that whether that was leaving our first hardscape job with someone else in charge, or whether that was uh, hiring a project manager to actually be responsible for all the client communication and dealing with a client who's upset and being concerned that, you know, it's not going to carry through the company values or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So whatever the circumstance may be, that was, those were very traumatic <laughs> decisions for us to make. And did they always work out perfectly? Absolutely not. There were a lot of times where it's, you know, you had to go back in, uh, you do have corrective action, apologize to, uh, clients or apologize to the team for ways in which they weren't resourced correctly or whatever it may be. By the end of the day, those are the steps we took that enabled us to grow. And that mm -hmm. enabled not only Patrick and I to grow, but enabled the team as a whole to grow, enabled our project manager or landscape account manager or safety and training manager, or operations manager, whoever it is like 
it was through those experiences that they've continued to grow. And now I can't look at a single position. And I mean this, I can't look at a single position on our leadership team that I could step in and do better than that person. You know, even though these were things that I was so married to and thought that I was, no one could ever be better than me at them. Mm -hmm. Uh, by now it's like, if I look at it, I'm like, I feel stupid anytime. Like I've had to like fill some people's shoes while they're gone. I'm just like, I don't know how to do this. Like you guys have like, cause they've been, they've had the opportunity to grow with the company. And like, as we've changed and now it's like, I go try to step into a sales role to like, whether it's if the volume's too much for our people to handle or for whatever reason, if I step into that, I'm just like, I really like, I don't know how to bid these types of jobs anymore. Cause I haven't been bidding mm-hmm. the type of work we're doing now or whatever it may be. So, uh, that was a huge stepping stone for us was being willing to delegate those things and be able to let go of control. Uh, and I think the other one was bringing in people who know a lot more than us. So we've worked with a, there've been a number of just very impactful individuals in our lives, whether they be like local entrepreneurs. Uh, we have a few, uh, friends here, completely different lines of work. Um, but oftentimes very similar goals, freedom, Mm -hmm spending time with family, financial freedom, traveling, investing in, you know, passions and hobbies, things like that. Uh, there are a couple of local people that have been really cool and have poured into our lives a lot. Uh, our families have always been extremely supportive. Uh, but then more specifically working with, uh, some industry coaches. So we've been working with Frank Bork for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's just a great friend of ours and has been extremely impactful in, uh, our company and helping us kind of as our trajectory has just always been growing and developing. He's been just an awesome impact and influence in our lives. Uh, and again, finding we we were able to find someone who, uh, I think there's a lot of coaches that are kind of like almost like the 10 X mentality where it's like, mm-hmm. go, 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 go. Like, usually you're going to make the most money. Here's where you'd be the biggest Here's where you'd be the fastest and the leanest. And we were really clear with him up front. Like basically here's where our life, like, our life goals are not being fulfilled with the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, you're the kind of client I want to work with, yeah. you know, cause I want to get you to a point where you're happy with like your life and the tension, the positive tension that you're holding all of your life in versus just, you know, throwing everything else to the wind and just going full scale at how much money we put in the bank account this month. Dude. I love that. That's an excellent approach. Such a yeah. good approach. Cause you're 10 X people out there and you know, it's, it's, it's grow, 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 or die, grow, 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 or die. And at the end, you have a lot of money in your bank account, but everything else is in fucking shambles or in flames around you, your family, your faith, your fitness, all that's gone, right? It's not the way that always has to work, but the reality is that if you focus so much on just the money, you may end up with money and that's yep. it, right? And that's, and I <laughs> love the that. Unfortunate that's reality. I love that. That's Frank's focus is like, Hey, look, fulfillment is my goal. Fulfillment yeah. in my family, in my life, in my faith, and everything going on around me. Fulfillment. So money is a number. It's a thing. It's a scorecard. It's all it is. Yeah. And it doesn't always mean it has to be the highest. What it has to be is part of it. If Again, whatever your goal is, is it financial freedom? Is it freedom within your business to do your craft? Maybe you're an excellent, excellent installer. And that's what you love to do. Maybe water features are your specialty. And you love working yeah. with rocks and stumps and water and mud and all that stuff. And you just want to do more of that and not run a company, then just make sure you realize that yeah. and position your company around you. That's okay too. You don't always have to be the one holding the reins, but somebody's got to do that. Yep. So yep. it's finding your spot in there and finding out what lights you up, what gets you up at four o'clock in the morning. You just can't sit in bed anymore because you're like, I, I need to get going. I can't wait to do this. I get to do this. Not I have yep. to do this. Right. And yep. once you find that spot, people ask, how do you find your why? I'm like, when you feel that every day, you found your why just put words yep. around it now. Right. It lights yep. you up. So yep. this has been amazing, hey. man. I really appreciate this conversation here as we wrap up. So 
anything else you want to, you know, drop on our listeners here before we, um, you know, we, we wrap this thing up for us. Yeah, sure. So I think, uh, the, the biggest thing I'd leave you guys with, uh, is the willingness to let things go. That was the biggest cantilever to us as we were growing, uh, again, like you said, not just in money, but in size of, uh, depth. Yeah. Not just money and size, but in depth of team and in getting a lot closer to ourselves and our team, being able to meet kind of their longer term goals has been the willingness to delegate things out and the willingness to not just delegate, but the willing to kind of entrust different parts of the organization to different people. And, uh, that's not size related. You don't have to be a $20 million company to delegate anything. Yep. Full to, just to be clear, we're not a $20 million company. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, uh, yeah, whatever you're, whatever you're up against, whatever you're doing, uh, just empowering your people to be able to work alongside you in a sustainable way uh, towards a common vision and a common goal is unbelievably important. No, no doubt. Now I'm going to put you on the spot here. Two or three nuggets you can drop on delegation. Here's the scenario. I'm a business owner. I've done everything myself. It's, it's every time I hand something off, they fuck it up. I got to deal mm-hmm. with that all the time. Uh, it's just easier for me to do it, uh, but I'm stuck. I'm not happy that I got to do everything all the time. What are a couple of little nuggets you could drop on us to just start the delegation process to begin to build the trust that someone else might be as good, or shall I say better, than we could be <laughs> at something. I went through the same thing. That's why it's just kind of fun. So what do you got for that? Yeah, so I guess uh, first thing I'd say is this. It all comes down to the people. So if you have people uh, who what's the reason they're fucking it up? I guess is the question, right? So if it's that they, I think it's a good area for us as business owners, uh, or team leaders or whatever it is to be very introspective, first of all, and to say like, Hey, do they actually have everything they need? Am I trusting them? Am I, I had a bad tendency of leaving job sites in my busy days to be like, you good. Everyone's good here. Okay, great. Goodbye. You know, without like pulling the leader aside and be like, do you have everything you need? Have you been adequately resourced? Do you have all the stuff you, you know, you have all the arrows in your quiver, you need to be successful here. So I think that's kind of the first thing, making sure that you're resourcing your team. Second of all, there are some people who just aren't the right fit. Uh, so I think you you got to have the right person that's the first ingredient in this equation uh, is to make sure that you have someone who's going to be the right fit. If they're messing it up because of lack of care and consistently, or just if it's a quality control issue, they know dang well what needs to be done and are investing the time and effort to get it done. That person needs to be off your team or not a leader three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but after that, I think it's a, a lot of it is just letting it go and saying, being okay with things not being your quality or perfect for the beginning. So people say uh, that uh, what we were always taught is like, as soon as someone can do it 80% as well as you can, it's time for you to pass it off because they're not going to be able to achieve that extra 20% until they are the people on the line, until it's yeah. they're the ones who are having to answer for everything. Um, and truthfully, I would even take that number down closer to 60%. Um, because it's what you're investing in, like, it's, it's always worth looking at what you're investing in and the cost, um, the cost that it is going to be right. So if you look at people who've invested their $10,000 in like people who started extremely successful companies, they gave a lot, you know, to grow these companies, they kind of put it all on the line. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think we need to follow a similar model to say, it's like, Hey, I'm willing to risk a lot because the payoff is here is that I have someone who can work autonomously, someone who can carry through the company vision, the company quality, the leadership abilities, all these things through in my absence, which then allows me to focus on things that will be better supporting them. That'll be better supporting our team and clients. Mm -hmm. I just lead to the snowball effect of growth 
Uh, and then also what you develop in your team there is a culture of achievement versus a culture of micromanagement, you know, and then they say, it's like, Hey, I've been given this responsibility here to do this. I've been given everything I needed. If I fail, I'm gone. Like if I fail repeatedly and don't show effort or care, I'm gone. And if that's the case, you want that person gone anyways. So I think it's, uh, making the really hard decisions oftentimes to can those types of people who are not supposed to be your organization, uh, which is a tough thing to do, but I do think it's going to get easier as uh, like you said, I think as the economy changes a little bit, uh, I don't think there's going to be a landscaping job on every corner anymore and top talent may be a little easier to come by. No, I agree. I agree totally. And you know, I've, I've learned the same thing along the way here, you know, it, it come to autonomy, people need to have their space. And one of the mm-hmm. biggest chokeholds on business, at least it was for me in the beginning was me. It was mm-hmm. wanting to micromanage and control every outcome because I wanted things to be perfect. And it had to be my yep. version of perfection, not their version yep. of perfection, which could have been a hell of a lot better, but I wouldn't even see that. I'd be like, no, yep. if it's not the yep. way I see it, it's not done right. And we had to give up, I did, personally, I had to give up that ego side of things and be like, you know what? No, that's not how it's going to work. Perfection is the enemy of success. You know, we want consistency. Yep. We want constant movement forward. That's what we want. And others may have faster ways to get there. I need to get the hell out of the way. So I think 60% yep. is more close to it. When you get somebody that is, you know, that they're, they're responsible, they're smart, they're, they're involved, they're, they're ready to win and kill it with you. Get the hell yep. out of the way. And it's going to be a little yep. freaky in the beginning. It's going to be freaky. Like, oh my God, what if they mess up? A lot up? freaky. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, what if they mess up? And then you're like, what if I messed up? What if yep. I cost the company money? What if they, what's the difference, right? Yeah. So they don't, they're not running businesses. They're not running all that stuff. They've got a smaller portion of this of this puzzle and they can go yep. super deep and focused on it. So my yep. suggestion, and you can either back me up or, or fight me on this one, but give people some space, let them figure it out just like you would your kid when you're riding a bike, you wouldn't sit there and hold the damn handlebars the whole time. You let them yeah. go. You give yep. them some training wheels, you let them go and you take those wheels off at 60% and you say, figure it out. Yep. I will back you up on that a hundred percent. I think, I think, yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it is get out, get out of their way yeah. because it's uh, so much stuff, just an interest of full transparency when it comes down to, and I, I never felt this at the time. I would have never like thought I was like this haughty, arrogant person, but so much of what it comes down to is I just truly believed in my heart that I was better than people and at yeah. like so many different things. And it just like looking back and I'm just like, what was I, thinking like (laughs) like how could i have truly thought i was better than everybody at everything right and again i would have never said that at the time like i'm not i'm letting this go because i'm better at it it's like this responsibility i felt to do everything because like it has to be perfect so i have to like be the one to see it through to completion yeah but man there comes a point where like i told you like patrick and it's like we can do three things well you know we can do three big picture things well and that's it as soon as we go beyond that we're you know missing our mission critical so whether that, again, whether that's family, whether that's supporting our teams here, uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, being able to have that kind of multiplicative effort is unmatched in value. Absolutely, dude. Man, I've really, really enjoyed our conversation today. And uh, it's so great to bump back into you now and have another conversation. Yeah, yeah likewise. Yeah, this is great. So Kenneth, oh, yeah, thanks, people... so, thanks so much for having me on. I really, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming on and spending your precious time with us and, you know, teaching people and telling people your story. Because, you know, I'm sure people listening you know, there's thousands that listen in every episode now, and I'm sure there's there's people out there thinking, wow, okay, I got this, I can do this. And that's what this yeah. is all about. It's impacting and empowering people and sharing the word and sharing, you know, the things we've learned over all the years we've been in business now. So Kenneth, if someone wants to reach out to you, ask you a question about what they talked about today or in general, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, so they, uh, 
like I mentioned, I'm not on social media anymore, so I'm a little bit harder to catch. Uh, but I always welcome if anyone really has any questions or would like to interface on anything, feel free to shoot me an email. That's Kenneth at localrootslandscaping.com. Uh, and then we have a company email or a company uh, Instagram as well. So if anyone wants to check that out, that's uh, Local Roots Landscaping. Really complex, you know, Instagram handle there. Yeah. But that's where <laughs> that, that's where you can find us. That's where you can find us. I love that. I love it. All right, Kenneth, this has been, uh, you know, a great... 45, almost 53 minutes now, actually. So just checking the timer. Yeah. This has been really good. So guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast and it's really kind of struck a chord with you and you feel like, you know what? I'd love to implement some of these things into my business. I'd love to help even share with a friend that might be thinking about, you know, these kinds of things. If you talk to them and they're like, they're running through these same problems and you think this podcast episode could help them, please share it. You know, we've, we've grown this podcast, you know, incredibly well. We're actually in the top 10% of podcasts right now when it comes to engagement and, and growth uh, on the planet, which is crazy to me. I'm still pinching myself with that one, but it's not because of what I'm doing over here. It's because you guys are sharing this. I see it every week. I see people sharing it and and trying to help others grow too. And then if you're just learning a lot of stuff today and you're like, holy crap, share it. That's the cool part. Just share it with other people and you'd be surprised by by what you get back. So um, again, you know, uh, the goal here is to impact and empower over 2 million people in the next four and a half years. We're well on our way to that because of how amazing everybody has been listening and how much they've been, you know, sharing and everything with that. So guys, until next week, keep going, keep sharing. You're awesome. Talk to you soon.